Now what I'm going to do now is explain to you the nature of curses and blessings. These are two major themes of scripture. I think the word bless in various forms occurs about 600 times in the Bible. And the word curse probably nearly half that number of times. But I have learned by experience that most of God's people are not really familiar with the nature of curses and blessings. I believe it's the purpose of God that through the redemption in Christ, we should be released from curses and enjoy the blessings. But wherever I travel, I find many of God's people who are enduring curses when they should be enjoying blessings. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the waiting room. This is Deborah. I pray you're all doing well. I apologize for the lag on this episode. Uh, I go through lots of days where I just don't have energy. These past few days have been uh, a bit much for my energy. (laughs) And so here I am. Here I am as promised. Today we're going to talk about the blessings and curses, right? We don't pay attention to things like this because we're so far removed from God in this society that we forget that these things actually exist. And the Bible tells us how to deal with them. And the Bible actually warns us about it. So I think it's a good study. So grab some coffee and sit with me and study. I actually have my uh, book right here to take some notes. Uh, We read through Deuteronomy 28 to get a refresher on what he's going to be talking about. If you're interested in looking up this sermon for yourself, you can find it. Um, It's Derek Prince, and it's Break Satan's Cycle of Defeat, Breaking Generational Curses. Anyways, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in and uh, learn something. Now, this is about an hour long, so I might chime in here and there um, to make some valid points, but I'm going to try to let this play through as much as possible. It might, I might cut it off early to fit it in, or if I feel like I need to stretch it out, it'll be two recordings, so. Anyways, God bless you guys with open eyes and open ears. Here we go. So let me begin by offering you a simple definition of blessings and curses. Both of them are vehicles of supernatural power. It's very important to understand we're not dealing with something that's purely natural. It goes beyond the natural. They are vehicles of supernatural power for good if they're blessings, for evil if they're curses. And one characteristic feature of them is that very frequently they'll continue on from generation to generation, often until somebody knows how to cut them off if they're curses. The result of that is that many people, and some of you are here tonight, are enduring in your life consequences of things that may have taken place many generations ago. And you have to trace your problem to its source and take the appropriate action in order to be released. 
Now, the vehicles of blessings and curses are usually words. They may be words that are spoken, words that are written, or simply words that are pronounced inwardly. However, uh, both curses and blessings can be transferred or transmitted by objects, by physical objects. So it is not always just a question of words. Uh, Ruth and I encountered a Jewish lady who had met the Lord Jesus and acknowledged him as her Messiah and her Savior. And she told us firsthand this story, and we got it straight from her. She was a, what they call an executive secretary, very highly qualified. And she had a very well-paid job with a man who was the president of his own firm. And after a little while, she discovered that the president and all the executives in the firm were in a strange cult under a lady guru. And then the president asked her if, he, if she would type out some blessings that this guru lady had pronounced on the executives. Well, when this lady began to type them, she realized that they were anything but blessings as far as Christians were concerned. And so she went to her boss and said, I'm sorry, but I don't feel free to type these blessings. The boss was gracious. He said, I'm sorry, if I'd known it was against your conscience, I wouldn't have asked you to do it. That was the end of that. Now we have to supply something by inference. But I am sure that the lady guru heard about this secretary that wouldn't type her blessings. And who knows what she did. She may have prayed or she may have pronounced a curse. But from that source, it really wouldn't make much difference which it was. Within a few weeks, this lady secretary, I'll call her Miriam, it wasn't her name. Miriam's fingers began to go stiff and curl up and set and in a short while, they were extremely painful and she couldn't bend them. And she said, you wouldn't believe the pain. She had to sleep in a separate bed from her husband because any time her husband turned over and the bed shook, the pain was unendurable in her fingers. She went to a specialist who x-rayed them and said it rheumatoid arthritis. And she was, in a sense, a crippled person. Well, another lady, a charismatic lady, uh, had received these three cassettes of mine and felt that this lady Miriam ought to hear them. I don't think Miriam was really very excited about them. She was a rather sophisticated lady and uh, I think thought of curses was something remote medieval in her eyes. Anyhow, this other lady prevailed, so they sat and listened to the three cassettes. And at the end of the third cassette, I lead people in a prayer by which they release themselves from any curse over their lives. At the point where the prayer began, the cassette jammed. It wouldn't go forward, it wouldn't go back, and it wouldn't eject. <laughs> that is not purely natural. So Miriam said, well, then I can't say the prayer. But the, this indefatigable lady said, oh, no, I have the prayer typed out. <laughs> I'll bring that. So she persuaded Miriam, I think rather against her own judgment, 
to read this prayer. Now you could read the prayer, I would say, in three minutes. It wouldn't take as much as that. So Miriam just dutifully read the prayer. And in between the time she began reading the prayer and the time she finished, her fingers and her hands were totally released. There was no trace of arthritis. She went back to the doctor. He confirmed medically the healing. Now what I want to emphasize is this. She was not praying for healing. It wasn't in her mind. She was simply releasing herself from a curse. But when the curse was broken, there was no more reason for sickness, you see? Another example of the invisible barrier. All right, now I want to deal out of scripture with the forms that blessings and curses take. There is one particular chapter in the Old Testament which deals exclusively with blessings and curses. How many of you know which it is? Deuteronomy chapter 28. All right. It's got 14 verses of blessings and 54 verses of curses. Now, we can't go into that because of time, but I suggest if you're concerned that at your own convenience, you study that chapter carefully. I've studied it many times, and I'm going to offer you my summation. But please exercise your own judgment as to whether you think this is accurate or not. Here is my summation of the main blessings and the main curses. As a matter of fact, really, they're exactly opposite to one another. So here are seven blessings. Number one, exaltation means being lifted up. You're no longer living under things. Number two, a word I had to coin, reproductiveness. I couldn't find one normal English word, but a person who's in the blessing of God is is fruitful in every area of his life or her life. Number three, health. Number four, prosperity or success. Number five, victory. Number six, Moses said you'll be the head and not the tail. And number seven, you'll be above and not beneath. Now, when I was studying that some years ago, I asked the Lord, what's the difference between the head and the tail? And I feel he gave me a simple answer. The head makes the decisions. The tail just gets dragged around. So which way are you living? Are you making the decisions? Are you in charge of the situation? Or are you simply being dragged around like a tail by circumstances and forces that you don't understand and you can't control? If you're a tail, it's very possible you're under a curse. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I'm not saying every one of those blessings is due to this cause, but that's for you to discern. There's only one expert in this field, and his name is not Derek Prince. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who has to show you personally. I can preach the general truth, but you have to get the specific application from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let, then me go let's ahead look and, let me go ahead and pause that. That is the most important thing, beloved, is to make sure that you're that you're giving Holy Spirit a chance to guide you and to, you know, give you signs and prompts and everything in your spirit. You know, how are we going to know if we're not using discernment? If we're not going to Holy Spirit saying, please, you know, go before me today, Holy Spirit. 
go before me and show me the way, right? Father's provided things for us to overcome these things. And, you know, whether you're battling a sickness, a mental health issue like me, I'm bipolar. If I have an opportunity to break this because it's a curse, I'm going to do that, right? I don't want to continue to battle myself because of generational curses, right? But you can clearly look back in your own families and see that that's an actual thing, that generational curses are real. And you can pinpoint, you know, things don't run in the family. We've just been programmed to believe that these things occur naturally and they don't. They don't. So anyways, let's go ahead and um, continue, beloved. The curses, and they're just exactly the opposite. Humiliation, failure to reproduce, or barrenness. And I would say, basically, barrenness is nearly always in some way associated with a curse. Number three, sickness of every kind. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, I mean, there is no sickness that is left out by the time you've come to that list. Number four, poverty or failure. Number five, defeat. And number six, you're the tail and not the head. And number seven, you're beneath, not above. You've probably heard about the two Christians you met. One of them said, well, how are you doing, brother? And he replied, well, under the circumstances, I'm not doing badly. And the first Christian said, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You should be above and not beneath. Now, over the years, independently of this list, I made a little list of indications that to me alerted me that I was probably dealing with a curse. I only say probably. Uh, this is, I made this independently of Deuteronomy 28, but it's amazing really how close it is. And I happen to have a list of seven. Now I want to be very clear, I'm not saying if you have one of these, it's absolutely sure you're under a curse. You need to examine the possibility and seek God. But if you have several of them, the more you have, the greater the possibility that you're under a curse. Amen. And here's my little list. Number one, mental and or emotional breakdown. Where people fall apart, that's a phrase that's used today. You say he or she just fell apart. That's what I'm talking about, emotionally or mentally or both. Number two, repeated or chronic sicknesses. Especially if they're hereditary. Because, you see, curses pass from generation to generation. Also, in situations where doctors cannot find any normal cause. Number three, what are called female problems. Barrenness, a tendency to miscarry, and problems with menstruation. And Ruth and I have dealt with so many cases like this that wherever a person comes for prayer in that category, we just simply act on the basis that it's a curse. In fact, we have come to the place where we really feel often we're wasting our time to minister to the sick without first teaching them how to be delivered from the curse. 
I once, we once called for a lineup of people with female problems, and in the middle of the line was a man. <laughs> so uh, when he came up, I said, what's your problem? How can you have a female problem? He said, my problem is depression, and that's female. <laughs> let me let me pause that let me pause that uh, brothers and sisters because this is um, this is a pretty old recording um, more than you know more than 10 15 years so this is an old recording and you know you were allowed to make jokes and stuff about you know male and female and the way he said this this man stood up and said, well, I'm depressed and that's a female problem, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not, you know, society wants to tell you that that's a female problem or if you have any feelings that are softer, right, that you may have been born in the wrong body and that's what they're pushing now and I don't know, I just wanted to take a moment to pause and appreciate the humor of that, right? Because, man, we can't joke like this anymore, beloved. Everything's changing. Everything's changing. Anyways, let's get back to these curses. Let's learn how to break them. Accept his statement. <coughs> Next one, the breakdown of marriage and family alienation, where families fall apart, where, where children are alienated from their parents, brothers from sisters. Very, very probably a curse at work the next one financial insufficiency and I want to be careful how I say this I don't think that poverty for a short period it may be a test that God is putting us through but if you're always short if you never have enough if you're always scraping I think you're very probably under a curse then the next one is what they call accident prone. In other words, you're one of the people who always has an accident, you know? Now this is, this is kind of objective because insurance companies will check on you and they'll give you a higher premium if they classify you as accident prone. I mean, that's not natural to be the person who always breaks your ankle when you step off the curb or your wife always slams the door, the car door on your finger or whatever it may be. Or it's always your eye that a little bug flies into. I mean, it's not natural if it's always going on. And then finally, in a family, a history of suicides or unnatural deaths, if there is a frequency of those things in a family. You could say a curse is like a long, evil arm from the past. And you don't know how far back. And it's stretched out, and every time you're just about to succeed or get to where you want to be, this evil arm trips you up. And you have to get up and start again. And I'm going to pause this and, uh, again, beloved, because if you know me personally, which most of you do not, my entire life has been just this roller coaster, right? I've moved over 30 times, just moving, 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 moving. Not because I'm like this moron or anything or couldn't keep a job or anything, just circumstances, choices I made. Like, I always 
I have always struggled. I've always struggled financially, whether I'm working or not. You know, I've always worked, but there's been periods where I get I get hit with severe sicknesses, right? Uh, I've had 13 surgeries and a lot of hospital stays. And now, I won't even go to the doctor, even though, you know, I'm dealing with uh, physical health issues and stuff. I won't go. Like, I've been told like six times that I have cancer in my life, right? I don't need to be a guinea pig anymore. I feel like I'm going to take it to Father. And if He heals me, He heals me. And if He doesn't, so be it. But I'm going to try and break these curses because I believe that's what it is. The Bible says it and I believe it. And that's where I'm at in my life. If if it's written in scripture and verifiable and I can prove that that's what was originally written and I go back to the original language, which is important, and I use discernment, I get my messages from the, from the Father himself. Anyways, let's continue. You get so far, you're tripped up again. And that really becomes the story of your life. And I, you'd be surprised how many people have told me stories like that. And so many times they said, well, the same thing happened to my father or my grandfather. In other words, it seems to run in our family. Or another simple picture is a dark shadow from the past over your life, shutting out the sunlight of God's blessing. And you can see other people walking in the sunlight. And you know it's there and real. But somehow the sun very seldom seems to shine fully on you. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28 for what I would call the primary causes, both of blessings and curses. And fortunately, they're very simple. The first two verses of Deuteronomy 28 says this. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now that's a translation which I think is followed by most modern translations, but the old King James used to say, if you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. And in Hebrew, that phrase is formed by repeating the word listen. If you will listen, listening, that's emphatic, to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what he says. So very, very simply, the primary cause of all blessings is listening to God's voice and doing what he says. Now, the primary cause of all curses is exactly the opposite. In verse 15 of the same chapter, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So what's the cause of curses? Not listening to God's voice, not doing what he says. So there, basically, you have the two root problems, or the two root causes. The cause of blessing, listening to God's voice, doing what he says. The cause of curses, not listening to God's voice, not doing what he says.
Now, beloved, quickly again, this comes from having a relationship, right? If you don't have a relationship with your Lord and Savior, then you're not going to hear Father's voice. No one gets to the Father but through Him. No one. I don't care what religion you're following, what kind of new age crap you're into. If you are not, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to the kingdom. You're not. You're going to stand at the gates and you're going to be told, you know what, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. What's iniquities? Bad things, right? You like to do bad things. So if you're doing witchcraft, beloved, stop. I really implore you to stop. Take it to Father if you think I'm crazy or you think I'm kidding. Those stones, those trinkets, those things that you're bringing into your home have demons attached to them. You need to break those. It it could be gifts given to you by somebody who practices witchcraft, like objects. You have to be careful what you bring into your home. And you have to have a relationship with with your Lord and Savior. You have to use discernment. And you have to be letting Holy Spirit guide you, beloved. Let's continue. So we're going to deal first of all now with curses that proceed from God himself. And there is one supreme cause which is stated in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5. This is the first part of the Ten Commandments. And let me say before we read, the greatest and most common cause of curses in people's lives is breaking the first two commandments. In fact, I'm inclined to believe you cannot break those commandments without coming under a curse. Now let me read those words. You shall have no other gods before me, but the Hebrew means just as much beside me. It's not a question of having the Lord as the main God and other gods as well. Because he says, I am the Lord and beside me there is no other God. So... You must not acknowledge any other God except the true God. And the second is what we would call idolatry. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Notice that's a specific feature of a curse. It goes on for at least three and probably four generations. But whenever you go to a source other than the true God for things which you are free only to seek from the true God, Whatever source you go to, you are actually making your God. So if you go to a fortune teller for information about the future, which God has said you shall not receive through that channel, through that fortune teller, you're making the power behind that fortune teller your God. You play with the Ouija board. If you get involved in all sorts of occult experiences or cults that deny the truth of the Bible, In all those things, you are making a God who is not the true God. So it's very important to say this, 
the curses pronounced for the breaking of the first two commandments cover every form of occult. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 27 verses 15 through 26, we have 12 curses pronounced. And when Israel went into the promised land, they had to pronounce all these curses upon themselves. If they disobeyed the law, they automatically came under these curses. They couldn't get into the promised land without. And I think it's very much the same in a way when we come into a relationship with God. If we're obedient, we come under the blessings. But if we're disobedient, we're in real danger of coming under the curses. Now, I'll just give you my little summation of the things on which the curses are pronounced in Deuteronomy 27, verses 15 and following. <coughs> Number one, once again, idolatry, false gods. That's always the top of the list. Number two, disrespect for parents. And this is repeated in the New Testament, Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. My personal conviction is any person who does not honor his parents never will have it well with them. Never. And I can think of scores of examples of people. That doesn't mean you can't get saved and speak in tongues and go to heaven when you die. But there'll be something missing in the quality of your life until you adjust your relationship with your parents. Amen. That doesn't mean you have to agree with your parents or do everything that they say, but you have to respect them. I think of another... And let me pause that again, beloved. If you're listening and you're having, you know, if you're having problems with your, with your parents, and I don't know, uh, my audience tends to be more around my age, but even at our age, you can have disdain for parents. You can, you know, there can be problems within the relationship and... What I'm here to say is that you don't need to focus on any negative thing that's ever happened and you don't need to sit here and blame your mother or your father for anything that you've ever gone through. Forgiveness is key. Understanding that they're human. Understanding the influence of things that we can't see will help you to forgive people, will help you to ask for forgiveness for things that you've done, right? I'm constantly calling out things that I've done and asking Father to forgive me. And and I honestly pray that whomever I've hurt out there, family, friends, anybody, I pray that if, if you come around and you hear this, that you'll forgive me if I hurt you or if I did anything to make you feel less than or anything at all that I did to harm you. Instead of help you grow, I truly apologize from the bottom of my soul. I've been lost a long time. Anyways, let's continue. A young man I dealt with. He had a very bad relationship with his father. His father was dead, buried in a cemetery more than a thousand miles from where we were. But when this truth really penetrated, he took a journey of a thousand miles to the cemetery where his father was buried, went to the grave, knelt at it, confessed his wrong attitudes to his father, wept his heart out, and got up a different person. And from then the course of his life changed. Now I, I know that there are lots of parents, especially today, you have a lot of reasons 
for having something against them. I understand that. I say there are no delinquent children, there are only delinquent parents. But nevertheless, if you want to have it well with you, you better do what God says. You can't afford not to. Then the next, and we must go quickly, in this list is treachery against a neighbor. And the book of Proverbs says, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will never depart from his house. And then injustice to the weak or the helpless. Personally, I can't think of anything more weak or helpless than a baby in its mother's womb. And personally, my conviction is anybody who deliberately procures an abortion comes under a curse. I would never minister to such a person without dealing with the curse. I want you to understand, I'm not saying you're cursed forever. Please understand. I'm telling you the problem because I'm going to show you the solution. And then illicit or unnatural sex, especially incest. And again, I don't know what the particular figures are here, but in the United States, it's now estimated that one out of every four girls under 10 has been sexually molested and one out of every five boys under 10. And I cannot think myself that it will ever happen without a curse following. Then in Genesis, now we're going on from this list, Genesis chapter 12, we have God's call to Abraham. And we need to look at that because it has something significant in it. God calls Abraham out, promises various things, and in verse 3, this is the end of the call. He says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So there's both a blessing and a curse. I believe that was necessary, because whenever God singles out a man to be blessed, that man becomes the object of all sorts of evil satanic forces. So God incorporated a protection. He said to Abraham, anyone who curses you, I will curse. And what is the generic name for cursing or speaking against or abusing the Jewish people? Anti-Semitism. Yeah. Now, in my personal opinion, anti-Semitism almost invariably is followed by a curse for an individual, for a nation. And if you look at the history of the last 19 centuries, you can see nation after nation after nation that came under a curse because they cursed the Jewish people. Then there's another very important curse pronounced in the prophet Jeremiah, which is just a few short words, and I think often we pass them over without really appreciating their significance. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Notice, please, that that's a very good description of somebody under a curse. Blessings are all around, but he lives in a salt land. Rain falls everywhere else, but it doesn't fall on him. What's the cause of that curse? 
trusting in man, making flesh your arm. But the scripture says, whose heart departs from the Lord. In other words, here is a man who's known the supernatural grace and blessing of God and then turned back to relying on his own efforts, turned his back on God's grace. And that brings a curse. In Zechariah 5, verses 1 through 4, Zechariah had a vision of a flying scroll, and there was a curse on each side of the scroll. One was on a curse on anyone who steals, and the other was on anyone who commits perjury. And uh, in the vision, this scroll would go into a person's house, take up lodging there, and the whole house would disintegrate. See, that's the nature of a curse. It doesn't just affect the particular area, but it has a kind of corrosive effect all around it. And then in Malachi 3, I think we have to look at this. Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I'm not teaching that all Christians ought to pay tithes. Because as I understand the New Testament, it's not law, it's grace. Amen. But I would suggest to you that grace should make us more generous than law. Amen. Now, let me just pause this. And I'm going to go ahead and, and stop the study. Let me write this down. Get my notes here because... We still have about 40 minutes left of this study, and I don't want to make you guys weary or to um, lose your attention with this. So let's go ahead and pause it here, and uh, I'm writing down where to come back tomorrow, or I say tomorrow. I say tomorrow, but we all know that could be three days from now. So I just want to stop it right here and we'll go ahead and continue um, with the rest of this sermon. And I just want to say, hey, you know, generational curses, I believe it's a real thing. I believe it's in the Bible. You need to pay attention to it. I think that... Um, the English language was written in a way to where you're speaking curses instead of blessings. And uh, tomorrow we'll get into more of, of the speaking part of it and the objects in your home and everything else. But uh, I do pray that this helped you guys a little bit. I pray that you're following along. Um, stick with me. You know, we're, we're here learning together. And the only thing I have to gain from this is a new brother or sister in the kingdom. That, that's all I care about. I don't care about uh, anything else. I don't care about what y'all think of me. I don't care about making friends. All I care about is bringing you to Christ and bringing you to the truth so that I can see you in the kingdom. Anyways, I do pray that you guys have a wonderful day in the Lord. I pray that you have all you need and you're surrounded by those that love you and uplift you. And I pray that you're blessed beyond measure so that you might be a blessing to someone else today. God bless you guys. Until next time.